Good evening, everybody. Please sit down. First of all, I'd like to extend a welcome to our two new councillors, Gary LeCount and Petrina Lease. I don't know if they're present. There they are. Uh, any vacancies on committees and review of political balance should be, re should be requested um, at the next meeting on April the 4th. I'd like to invite Councillor Dean to... Yes, thank you, Chairman. <coughs> David Gregory died on the um, 29th of December 2016. Uh, David wrote to me and other friends on the 18th of October to say that he was suffering from bowel cancer but that this was spreading and he had been given two years to live. In the event, two years sadly became little over two months. David Gregory was a member of this council from 1991 until 2007 when he lost his Liberal Democrat seat to a Conservative challenger. He said he'd been Camerooned. Such is the way of politics, and David was a philosophical person who would always accept what life brings, including his own death. He wrote in October, Please continue to pray. We sing in church about our mighty God. Such was the strength of David's Christian faith, which I am sure supported him and his family through those final two months. David Gregory was chairman of the council for the civic year 2001 to 2002. During his year of office, he visited every church in the district. Amongst other initiatives during the year was the creation of a relationship with the Lord Mayor and council at Stoke-on-Trent. This was typical of David. Uttlesford had been rated the best place to live in England. Such was the impact of the Liberal Democrats. Stoke-on-Trent had come at the bottom of the league table in the Sunday Times. Anyway, David met the Lord Mayor and arranged exchange visits to try to provide some inspiration for our northern colleagues. <coughs> Had today's Stoke by-election occurred 20 years ago, I would not have been surprised to find David up there giving someone a hand. David was a friend and a colleague whose concern for ordinary people and the marginalised led him to campaign on their behalf. His various jobs as a purveyor of second-hand books from a shop in Dunmo High Street and as a taxi driver almost certainly led to his going beyond the normal call of duty to provide advice and more. David's, David Gregory's natural modesty that contrasted with his enthusiasm and determination will be very much missed in the Felstead and Stebbian communities. It is almost 10 years since David said goodbye to this council chamber. Most of today's members and officers will not have known him. Nonetheless, I feel sure we wish to extend our condolences to his widow, Dawn, and to his family, and, to thank, and, and thanks for David's work for Uttlesford and the district. His last message to me 
and the other friends was, if you call by, the door will usually be unlocked, ring the bell and walk in. Mr Chairman, I need say no more. I think we should hold a minute's silence at this point. Thank you. Please, please be seated. No one has registered uh, to speak after, at this meeting, so I'll move straight on to the agenda. I have received apologies from John Freeman and Councillor Laughlin and Tom Goddard. Are there any other apologies? Any others? Councillor Foley is certainly late. Oh, oh he's right now right behind me. Ah, <laughs> oh, sneaked in, right. <laughs> Councillor Redford. Oh, yeah. um, Councillor Riles, Councillor Harris, and Councillor Oliver. Thank you. Councillor Davis. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Wells is on her way, stuck in traffic. Thank you. It's been a bad hold up on the M11, I believe. Um, so we move straight on then to uh, having done apologies. Are there any declarations of interest? Anybody wish to declare? Three hands, four hands have gone up. Councillor Morris. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I declare a non-pecuniary interest as a member of Saffron Walden Town Council. Councillor Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, it's the same with me. We don't actually need to do parish councillors tonight, so... Tonight. If it's raised. So there's no business. Sir. Thank you. So we then move straight on to uh, the minutes held on the 8th of December 2016. Can I have approval for that, please? Thank you. Uh, Chairman's announcements. I attended a civic dinner held by John Aldridge, Chairman of the Essex County Council, on the 19th of January. On the 10th of January, I held my civil uh, Valentine's dinner at the Bishop Stortford Golf Club, a few hundred yards just outside the district, but uh, that didn't seem to influence matters too much, and I, it was well attended, and I think everybody enjoyed themselves. I hope so, and so I hope we've raised some money there. Uh, I'll let you know at the next uh, full council meeting. And I will now move on to... Uh, invite Councillor Rolf to make any announcements about matters he has. Thank you, Chairman, and good evening, colleagues. Um, first, may I um, 
echo uh, uh, the tribute that uh, Councillor Dean so eloquently paid to David Gregory. Uh, may I also welcome Councillors Lees and Le Corp to the Chamber. Um, <coughs> the next announcement, uh, Chairman, is around the Local Growth Fund. Uh, colleagues may have seen, but just in case you haven't, uh, the £3.5 million support for the uh, proposed Technical and Professional Skills Centre at Stansted Airport, uh, which was announced uh, by the Government uh, about five weeks ago. This goes alongside the £6.98 million that is already uh, earmarked from other sources. So hopefully um, uh, that uh, um, scheme will be uh, now coming through to, uh, for planning permission uh, and it's something that Uttlesford District Council is doing in conjunction with the Manchester Airport Group, Harlow College and Anglia Ruskin University. In the same local growth fund, uh, Chairman, uh, the, uh, colleagues may have noticed that uh, £2.734 million had been allocated to Junction 8 uh, uh, on the M11. This is in addition to the £5 million already allocated. Uh, colleagues will be critically aware of the importance of that junction uh, for us and indeed for our colleagues in Hertfordshire on the other side. Um, so uh, th th that was very helpful uh, from the, the local growth fund. Um, devolution, Chairman, uh, I think we now say rest in peace. I think devolution is dead in Essex. However, um, that does not mean that the work uh, behind it, the principle behind it, uh, is not very much uh, active. And uh, I hosted a meeting on Friday afternoon that included the Chairman of Essex County Council and other uh, Chief Executives and um, uh, leaders from Essex, a smaller, a smaller group. Um, and, and there are really three key areas that must be driven forward. Uh, the first, obviously, is economic growth, uh, and that links very much with infrastructure. The second is the skills agenda, and you've heard me talk before uh, about how important that is. Uh, and the opportunities to better align uh, qualification with the requests from business and the need from business. And that's very much what that uh, college at Stansted is all about. Uh, so that is an important point. And the final, and uh, you'll be all too familiar with this, uh, is the link between health and social care. Uh, this really has got to be driven if uh, the SDP, or the success regime as they call it in Essex, is to make real impact. So you may be aware that um, uh, Andrew's sentence, a, 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 a esteemed figure in the economic world, uh, chairs the Essex Economic Commission. And his, his report is, is, a, is, a good, is, is a worthwhile read. Uh, and he's made a number of um, observations and um, suggestions. And clearly uh, there are some good possibilities for uh, the Essex economy as a whole. But I think uh, one of the ways that we're going to now take this forward is either through themes, and I've mentioned three of those, or, or through geography. And uh, clearly our geography, in, it, we are on the west side of Essex, but we're also in the M11 corridor. And you'll be familiar with the London Stansted uh, Cambridge Consortium, which runs north of Cambridge, actually, up to Peterborough Huntington, right the way through to London, particularly uh, the northern part of London and King's Cross. And that whole um, centre of uh, research and excellence, particularly around life sciences, green technology, um, IT technology and uh, some other emerging pieces of research, is really, in a sense, actually even driving the whole uh, 
English economy forward and, and we are part of that and, and our neighbours in Harlow have been designated uh, an economic uh, uh, zone and of course uh, Public Health England are coming to set up their headquarters in Harlow and we know that there's considerable um, planning uh, proposed there as well. So the whole, um, so our, our, our interests I think are, are as part of West Essex but also very much with Hertfordshire, particularly East Hertfordshire and the Chief Executive and myself met with our counterparts um, in East Hertfordshire. We have a good relationship and clearly uh, need to continue uh, to, to develop that. So I think that's probably enough uh, Chairman at this stage, but obviously happy to take questions when they come up on the agenda. Councillor Redfern. I should say we've got 15 minutes of questioning before we move on, but thank you. You've got up in 15 minutes. I'll put up with it, first of all. Um, thank you everyone. Um, I don't want to be too um, boring but I just thought it was time to give you an update on a couple of areas of my um, portfolio mainly concerning economic development and um, housing. And starting with uh, economic development, the team um, working with Invest, Invest Essex have won three inward invest projects, all of which happen to be based and located at Chesterford Research Park. And as you all know, um, we at UDC have a discretionary rate relief policy and this was used to help with the, to win the investments against stiff competition from the uh, Cambridge uh, Research and Science Parks. Um, we continue to work with Superfast Essex and our officers, along with Councillor Riles, are now looking at proposals submitted to Superfast Essex Phase 3 to uh, evaluate the offers and this project is intended to give access to superfast broadband for a minimum of 95% of the premises across our district. Um, and it's, it's hoped that this contract will be awarded in May but we're waiting, we, obviously there's still some work to do on that. Um, this is something we'll keep you informed of as we progress. Um, we're working closely with Saffron Walden Town Team who have voted to progress a, a bid, a bid business improvement um, district and this is to help support the continuing vitality and vibrancy of, um, of the town centre. Um, officers are also um, involved with supporting the town team in um, Dunmo as well as the business group in Stansted. Um, now I know many of you will already be aware of what's going in the housing department as, um, as lots of you are part, part of the housing board but I just thought it might be helpful to um, explain to those of you that aren't um, on that committee just to give you a quick update um, and uh, one of the things was our offer to house refugees is still open with Essex County Council but to date we've only been asked to house one family which we have done and they're settling into the community well. Um, we are not expecting any further arrivals until June but we are reliant completely on Essex for their response to this. I've also been asked about um, unaccompanied children as well and this is also something that Essex County Council will be responsible for because as you can appreciate that's really something to do with social services. So I think if you are asked about this yourselves it really um, would be good to point them in the direction of your own county councillor and let's do some lobbying of Essex to... Um, step up a little bit more perhaps. Um, the housing team here really feels the pressure of those in housing need and we continue to try and deliver as much as we can through both planning permissions and our own housing revenue account plan. At the moment we have planning permissions pending, well we have an application pending for three or four properties in Dunmo, a live planning application awaiting determination, so block your ears planning committee, but there is a live application for five um, new homes in Frambury Lane in Newport. Um, 
we have also had a permission already granted for three new homes in Sheds Lane in Saffron Walden and one of which um, is going to be purpose built and adapted for a local family who um, already are tenants but they have um, a young child with severe um, disabilities and so we're able to um, provide a purpose built property for them so I'm really pleased about that well we're all pleased about that Hatherley Court Sheltered Scheme in Saffron Walden. We now have a preferred tenderer in place and um, to, to carry out the upgrade work, which you'll already be aware of, but there's a big upgrade plan for this um, sheltered scheme and we hope to um, now commence that later this year. Phase one of Reynolds Court is progressing really well and I hope that we'll be on target to complete phase one in July. Um, this will mean we'll be able to move the existing tenants from the old building into the new building and then we'll be able to crack on with um, the second phase of, of that building. And it's slightly less challenging than the one we had in uh, Stansted. It seems to be moving along really well. Um, and talking of the one in Stansted, we had... Um, Sorry, no, not talking of Stansted. We had a small opening ceremony in December, which was attended by some of the Saffron Walden um, members for Catons Lane, where we met some of the tenants of the six properties we've, um, we've had in Catons Lane, and the new tenants seem to be absolutely delighted with um, their new homes. And then finally, the update um, on our new houses is that I have to say... Um, I did think I was never actually going to come to this council and say this, but I have to say that we have completed Mead Court in Stansted. So, despite finding asbestos, having sewers in the way, the water company not knowing where the water was, nesting birds, we now have 29 new homes, all occupied, consisting of 12 apartments, 8 family homes, 9 bungalows, and as well as this, 4 um, temporary accommodation flats for the homeless. And those of you that weren't at the opening, I would just like to give you a little fact that my husband um, gave me to uh, mention when we were doing the opening. And that is, um, Uttlesford has less than 0.12% of the UK population, but it has built 2.6% of the local authority new homes in the UK in 2015-16. Or to put it another way, if the rest of the country did what we did, an extra 31,000 council houses would have been built in that period, but the actual number was 1,490. So I actually personally think that's something to be really proud of as a council, and um, I'm really um, happy to give you those updates, <coughs> but if there is something that I haven't covered that you're interested in, please feel free to either call me or email me, but I, um, I won't take up any more of your time because I'll leave that to Councillor Howe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I don't want to say anything about the local plan. I want to say something much different. Um, 3rd, 4th, 5th of March. It's the Great British Spring Clean. We all hate litter. It's in our hedges, it's on our verges. If there are safe places in your parishes, your towns, where you can go and help join in the community litter pick, arrange a community litter pick, get out there and get some fresh air, um, the district council provides litter pickers, it provides bags, it will pick them up for you. Certainly, um, I think I'm in Margaret Roding and then High Easter, but wherever it is close to you, if you can spend a little time over that weekend collecting some litter and making our district look a bit more beautiful, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Do we have any questions for the executive? Councillor Lodge.
Thank you, Chairman. And um, first of all, to actually, um, it's a question of Councillor Redford and to congratulate her then on the, uh, on the success on, on prov- prov- providing council housing. I think we spent, we spent a lot of time talking about um, the, the provision of housing and uh, provision of housing overall is a, is a major issue for, for central government and um, um, we, we spent time particularly looking at, at, at housing in the, uh, in the, uh, in the plans, so, so building of, of market housing and affordable housing. Uh, so really coming on to the question of, of council housing, um, I know that, I know that um, the executive here are at odds with, with central government in that uh, they are keen to press ahead with council housing and have had the success we've seen. Uh, and it, it seems, unfortunately, that there is a somewhat of an ideological opposition to council housing at the centre. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not actually wishing to make a political point here. I, I actually make the point that I, that I support the, the, the attitude of the executive here towards uh, wishing to, to build further council housing and I'm very pleased that they're taking that attitude and have been battling against central government on that issue. Uh, I just wondered if, if we could have maybe more of an update on how we may progress in the future or how we may able to be able to defend ourselves from the threat of the right to buy for social housing and, and, and the threat that I know has been hanging over our heads uh, to to possibly have to sell some of our stock. I wondered if, if we'd had further input from central government as to where we were on this issue now. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Lodge. You, Councillor Redfern. Um, I will do my best to answer some of those points now. I've only written down two, John, so you may need to repeat. I think there was three, and I was um, got distracted. Um, as far as defending ourselves against... Um, the um, right to buy I don't really think there's very much we can do to defend ourselves against that because the ethos is that actually everybody should have the right to own their own home Um, the only thing we can do is when we do receive the um, right to buy payments we do our absolute best to if we replace one for one we get to keep a percentage of that um, of that sale and that is what we try to do and so far we have been able to do that having said that I have been and as you know lobbied previously because I I think I think the way the right to buy works is is wrong and we'll continue to um, to lobby on that but at the moment we managed to we managed to keep up and um, I think Simon will refer to it later but we're going to have a look at the housing revenue account as well and maybe think about how we've structured that to actually do a, a to continue with more house building because what we did um, obviously um, some of you weren't members then but what we did was we, ha- we um, took on a debt of about 89 million and we made a decision to, f- to spread it over I think it's 30 years someone might jump up and say I'm wrong it's 30 years yeah and for the first five years we um, worked out we wouldn't be repaying any of the capital and we would use that money to, um, to have quite a progressive um, plan of um, house building which obviously is what I've been talking about this evening now we have the problem where we have a rent reduction um, of 1% a year for 4 years and that obviously has a big effect on our business plan so we are, I expect I'll be coming back to you um, in the not too distant future with a plan of what we're 
what we're going to do because we're going to have relook at how we financed it and have another go because um, we obviously we've got experience now we know what we can and can't do and so we will be looking to um, continue our house building program the part about there's no clarity on the selling of, of um, expensive properties um, we are sort of we, we are preparing for that because we do know we have some properties in particular and we've got plans for them but <laughs> As our business, we need to remodel our borrowings to able, enable us to go, go forward with those plans as well. So I will keep updating you, but I am fully aware of the challenges, um, but, um, and I will report back. But was there, a third, was there a third point? I'm so sorry. No, it wasn't, actually. That's, that's a, that's a, a comprehensive answer. No, thank, thank you for that. <laughs> okay. And to say that on this side, we, uh, we support you all the way on your endeavours. Thank you. Sorry, Councillor Foley, please. Thank you. Sorry. Am I on? Yes. <laughs> right. Um, unanimity. Uh, I think we can all agree, and, th and thank you for that update. That was uh, quite encouraging. Um, over last Sunday, I had a meeting in Thaxted with a number of residents. Um, I, had, I had been approached, as I'm sure most councillors are approached uh, from time to time, with some very um, heart-wrenching uh, you know, uh, situations and uh, <clears throat> I really would like if possible because there's so much unanimity if we could pass this back up the, up the line to central government that, um, that, that the concern that we have over the extension of the right to buy I get the point that you made but that, that the, 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 the end product will be uh, less properties available and I think that that's what we're all concerned about and that um, the existing rules that restrict their borrowing and limit the use of safe sales receipts to just one third of the costs of building is, uh, is, ca is causing the problem and I think if every council uh, could, could feed that back maybe something could change because there's a real problem and I think the government recognised this too. Thank you, Councillor Foley. Uh, Councillor Freeman and then Councillor Mills. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, the right to buy thing, the, 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 the six of these properties are actually in my ward. They were garages and uh, they now have modern houses on them. Very good modern houses too, very nice. Uh, went along to the opening. But it seems to me that it's almost a no-brainer that they will become market housing because the tenants, if they can, would be very well advised to exercise their right to buy. And then those houses would be lost to the, to the uh, District Council, uh, and they were built on land owned by the District Council, so the cost of acquisition of the land was not there. It's very difficult to imagine how the District Council would be able to replace them. And my question is, it seems to me a no-brainer that you could put a caveat on the sell of um, council property if uh, a tenant exercises the right to buy that it has to be offered first of all to the council at market rates or whatever personally I would make it slightly less than market rates but that's a matter of discussion so at least it has the opportunity of passing back into the hands of the council because once they're sold I think it's very unlikely that the district council will replace them. They're a one-off. And the location of those six houses in Caton's Lane are absolutely perfect for market property. They really are in a prime position. Councillor Redfern. 
Thank you, Chairman. Um, they are lovely houses in Catons Lane. In fact, I think we should be very proud of all the houses that, we're, um, that we own as a council. We spend a lot of money maintaining them and looking after them. I think um, I, un I totally understand how you feel about the right to buy, but I think you shouldn't under the right to buy is we only give a percentage off the market value, and most of these people, many of these people that are in these properties, can't even wouldn't even be able to afford to buy them at the reduced price. Um, but on your point about the buyback clause, we do have that. So if, a, if one of our properties does come back on the market, they do, it, it is in there for them to offer it back to the council, but of course they'll generally be offering it back to us at um, um, market value. If they're sold within a certain amount of time, and I'm looking towards Roger because I can't remember what it is, I think it might be five years, that there's a, the discount they get, is, you know, if, they tr if they want to resell it in that period, some of that is clawed back at that point as well. So there, there are caveats in that. But, I, I, you know, I've, funnily enough, I've been on um, communication with someone on Facebook today, which I don't normally do, but I happen to be sitting doing some stuff and it keeps pinging up. And um, people were talking about the right to buy and, and houses in Saffron Walden and someone put on there, I can't even afford to buy my council house. And, I, and you know, that is the... That is the the fact of it is we do live in a very expensive area, so even with the discount, it's still tough. So I think it's still a good thing that we're providing um, housing for those that can't afford for themselves. Thank you, Councillor Redfern. Councillor Mills, I believe you had a question. Didn't actually, I didn't actually, Chairman, but what I'd like to say is I think numerically I think we've had 15 right-to-buys this year up until this month, so, um, and I think in previous years it's perhaps been sort of only sort of single digits or around about that number. I just think it's important that everybody understands the perspective when we've got a stock of over 4,000. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Mills. Um, we'll now move on then to um, matters referred from the Executive. I call upon the leader to uh, bring out the corporate plan. Thank you, Chairman. Um, and uh, for those of you with a hard copy, it's uh, page 21. Um, so this, uh, as it says in paragraph 2, um, the vision statement and core contents were considered by Cabinet on the 1st December um, and agreed for recommendation to full council, and we did actually discuss it at full council. It's since been considered by scrutiny, who um, their particular comments were, uh, the references were rather uh, slanted towards Saffron Walden, um, and I hope that uh, the revised version has taken account of that. Um, so in front of you uh, is the the corporate plan and, and, and the sort of the action plan behind it, um, and it's 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 centred around that theme of uh, community leadership, and I don't mean leadership in the sense of sort of charging the light brigade type leadership. I'm talking about that that networking with the community. And another way of thinking of it is, uh, and for those of you who are at the the, the, the dinner, I made this point uh, of how the council, in many roles, is at the centre of of the wheel, and the spokes are going out, and there will be uh, many other including the voluntary sector and the other agencies and the outer rim are the residents of Uttlesford uh, and, and the life uh, that together we're trying to support and we're at the, the centre of that trying to hold that ring. We do of course have a number of uh, statutory uh, responsibilities and uh, I, I, I take that as well. So moving to paragraph uh, 9 uh, colleagues um, 
you'll see that our vision, which we mentioned the last time, is working together for the well-being of our community and to protect and enhance the unique character of the district. Uh, we have this uh, continuous balance between recognising what is very special about Uttlesford uh, and yet the need to keep moving that on and making it realistic for the 21st century. And I hope that the plan uh, does indeed do that. So I draw your attention to Appendix A, uh, which is on page 25, and those four themes that we discussed before of promote thriving, safe and healthy communities, protect and enhance heritage and character, support sustainable business growth, and maintain a financially sound and effective council. And I won't obviously read the whole page out, but why are those points important and how do we intend to do that? And then I draw your attention to Appendix B, which is the corporate plan uh, delivery plan uh, for this uh, financial year. And I think that draws out the point as to how we will fulfil those objectives. And obviously this is, this is the plan, and uh, it's not just uh, some words that it might have been in previous years. Uh, this is going to be reviewed, uh, both at Cabinet and at Council, to ensure that that delivery plan uh, is executed. It, it, it's, the, it's the founding block to what you're about to hear from uh, Councillor Howell in terms of our fiscal strategy, um, and it is, it is to the engine of what we do and why we do it. So I think that's probably enough because everybody will have read the report in full, but happy to take uh, any queries, uh, Chairman. Thank you. Any questions? <clears throat> do you have a seconder? Councillor, Councillor Howell, thank you. Councillor Parry. Sorry, I just wanted to point out that in that document there are two paragraph seven and two paragraph eights. And you might want to correct it before it is published. It's Thank you published. for that, and we most certainly will. Apologies. <laughs> are there any other questions before we go to a vote? If not, then uh, we'll go to the vote. Those in favour? Unanimous, thank you. We now come on to the budget covering report, and I call upon Councillor Howell to present the budget. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, Councillors, uh, I'm very happy to present the 2017-18 uh, budget. The first paper, item 7, is an overview paper. Um, Councillor Howe, could I just stop you just one moment? I believe I should have brought Councillor Dean in because, uh, because of the feedback from the Scrutiny Committee. Sorry about that. Yes, the, um, the Scrutiny Committee did look at uh, all the papers... Um, that we had at, that you have on your machines tonight um, at, the, at a recent uh, scrutiny committee and that it did in fact include looking at the corporate plan and one of the things that we did was welcome the delivery plan, the more detailed document which is the first time we've seen that so there's something you, one can get one's teeth into and, and obviously progress as the year goes, goes by <coughs> I'm not going to say any more about the corporate plan tonight but we went through the 
the various papers that, um, that Councillor Howell is about to present, and I'll just pick out a few highlights from those uh, deliberations. We were talking about the robust of estimates and adequacy of reserves and uh, raised questions about the planning reserve and the impact of the local plan. We had explained to us that additional funds had to be drawn down uh, from reserves to deal with the local plan this year. I think the, <coughs> if I got it right or remember correctly, I think the the overspend or the use of reserves this year has been £685,000 and, and you'll notice there's a, an intention in the coming financial year to spend £275,000 from reserves on supporting the additional work that clearly uh, came about or is coming about as a result of the pause and, and continuation of the plan this year. <coughs> we looked at the medium-term financial strategy. Uh, the officers were asked a question really about um, budget surpluses as to whether the, law, the line could be drawn between being prudent in terms of setting a budget and being overcautious, uh, particularly bearing in mind that the Council has uh, successively delivered a surplus or an underspend for several years now. Uh, we were advised, we were assured that uh, the ability to forecast more accurately was improving. We didn't discuss much on, on treasury management. We looked at the corporate, sorry, we looked at the capital programme. Um, comments were made that the programme appeared somewhat unambitious in terms of non-routine type investment in such, such things as uh, waste management vehicles. Uh, there was, a, I guess, a difference of opinion there as to whether the programme was ambitious enough or adequate. So that's something that may, may be a debate that may be continued. The um, question was asked about whether the, the budget was being set using zero-based budgeting methodologies and uh, th that is not the case at the moment. I think it has happened in years gone by. Um, there may well be an attempt to, to develop next year's budget, in other words a 2018-19 budget using zero-based budgeting methodologies. The housing revenue account was also examined by the committee. One of the things that uh, we were very keen to hear about, and it's contained in your papers tonight, is that, um, that there's been um, an innovative approach to reducing the impact of the cost of support services charged to people in sheltered accommodation, you know, the sheltered tenants. There, there was an expectation because of withdrawal of funds from or by Essex County Council that people were, could, could be expected to pay something like £18 a week for services that they currently had paid out of nothing or very little for. Um, the charge will in fact, because of, because of the, an innovative approach that's been done, most of those costs can now be included or will be now be included in the benefits system and hence the cost will come down to 
a small number, if, 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 if in fact nothing to some people. So I think that was a, a good move on behalf of our officers and the planning department to come up with, I won't call it a wheeze, but a clever move. Um, the questions were clearly raised about the, the impact of rent reductions of one year for the second year on a trot and I know there is, there's, there's dissatisfaction with that and, and its impact on the ability to invest but that's I guess a discussion that will continue. <coughs> we then came on to the, the final papers, general fund and council tax, noted that there will be a surplus this year of £564,000. Um, members raised questions about the proposed pay increase that is in contained in the papers. This is my machine suddenly gone silly. Uh, I'm back to normal now. Um, the, 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 the alignment of, of pay grades to aid the retention and recruitment of staff. We, we discussed that and uh, were pleased to support that initiative that is contained in one, one part of the papers. Um, the questions were raised about the cost uh, and whether, whether it would lead to what you might call um, un uncontrolled increases in pay, but it was pointed out that uh, increases and progression up the pay scale will be performance related. <coughs> So, as I say, the, the committee confirmed its support for that uh, proposal and there was some discussion about um, whether the council could be more active in, um, in its involvement with the um, police and police community support officers. Certainly in the, um, in, in the survey of public opinion that came up up at the top of the list in terms of non-statutory services that the council carries out. So there was some discussion on that and and, and pleased to say the, min the meeting finished at 9.20 and everybody was so pleased. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Dean. I'm sorry about the mix-up earlier. Don't worry. That's and my apologies to Councillor Howell. Councillor uh, Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. I don't know if I'm allowed to make a comment on the scrutiny report that uh, we've just had. Um, and it was put forward as a scrutiny report and it's a small issue but uh, Councillor Dean said that the spending forecast into next year was because of the pools. Well that's clearly not the case because the spending that's in the forecasting for the budget is for work that needs to be done on the local plan and work that was insisted upon by the members of this committee, hence the pools. The extra spending, the spending for that part of the budget is not because of the pools. I just wanted to get that point right, because if that's the feeling of the scrutiny committee, then I feel they've missed the point. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Ranger. I believe Councillor Knight wishes to speak. Um, this is not about the scrutiny, um, but I never know when I should speak when some, there doesn't seem to be a space, so I will... Sorry, uh, if it's not about the it's scrutiny... The budget. That's what I was saying. Well, we I'm haven't got to the budget yet. Can right. You can speak it when we've had the budget would presented. Would you be kind enough? I would like to, be, to let me know at what point I can, because I never know, so thank you. Thank you, Councillor Knight. Councillor Howe. Thank you, Chairman. Um, 
councillors. Uh, I will run through um, each of the papers individually, uh, but I think it's worth giving a, a brief overview of what we have in front of us tonight. We've got about 160 pages. It's a very detailed budget. There's a significant amount of disclosure and transparency, and I need to start off my comments by thanking the finance team, and in particular Mr. Webb and Mrs. Knight for all their hard work. There's uh, a great deal of work that goes into this. I uh, need to also point out that it's a cumulative um, process. It takes on a number of stages, it's almost iterative, and it ties into the local plan, the work that we do here at Council month after month and through various committees as well. Um, so it's a, it's a slow process which we have brought through scrutiny, as Councillor Dean said, and thank you very much, I attended your meeting. And I think I recognise all of those comments. Um, I think there were also a number of very positive comments about the budget which you didn't mention, but nevertheless I'll take those as being read. Um, it went to Cabinet um, on the 16th of February and brought here tonight. I understand that Mr Webb has attended group meetings as well. Um, he's always available, as, are, as is Mrs Knight, to answer questions from councillors on the contents. And I'm going to assume for the most part that we've actually read the papers, if you don't mind. I recognise for some councillors that's a little bit more difficult than for others. But, but nevertheless, I won't deal line by line with the contents. Um, I'm very happy to take a comment from, from Councillor Knight at this stage but what I suggest is if we go through each of the papers, then perhaps on the element that you're specifically concerned with, you perhaps might want to, to, to address it. The first paper deals with the robustness of estimates uh, and our adequacy of reserves and our reserve strategy. The paper after that is our medium-term financial strategy. Then the Treasury Management Strategy, our capital programme, the Housing Revenue Account Budget, and then our General Fund Budget and Council Tax. And it's usually at that item that the debate takes place, but I'm very welcome to have the debate at every stage in the process. Um, but it might be that we... It's a bit like a tower, and you kind of bring yourself to the final item on the agenda um, under item 13, and that might be the point where we want the most debate, if that makes sense. So that's item seven. May I go straight into item eight, Chairman? Thank you very much. First, item eight deals with the robustness of estimates and the adequacy of our reserves. Uh, and it also includes the reserve strategy. Uh, the first item, which deals with the adequacy of our reserves, is, is a fairly technical paper. As part of the annual budgeting process, the Section 151 officer is required to give formal advice to the Council on the robustness of the estimates and the adequacy of our reserves. Um, there's a formula that sets out that. Um, it looks at the risks and uncertainties facing the Council and seeks to ensure that we have an adequate contingency reserve in place. And the advice is called the Section 25 report. The recommendation, um, so let's deal with the recommendation in a moment. The Director of Finance and Corporate Services, he has assessed the minimum safe contingency level for the working balance. And the formula is set out in Section 8 on page 48, if you have paper versions of the papers, as £1.266 million. Um, now, the recommendation in front of us is that we take account of the advice in the report when determining the 2017-18 General Fund Budget and Council Tax. We approve the risk assessment relating to the robustness of estimates as detailed in the report, that we set the minimum safe contingency level for 2017-18 at £1.28 million, 
um, that the attached strategy paper is, is adopted and that we agree that there are no transfers to or from the working balance uh, built into the 2017-18 budget. Um, when we prepare this process, we look at the risks and opportunities facing the Council. And clearly, there are a significant number, and there always are a significant number of uncertainties. Um, I think the most important uncertainties facing us are, are, are the unclearness around central government funding. It's been a theme over a number of years, and it's one which we will refer to repeatedly throughout the evening. Uh, it's very difficult for us to identify which areas, uh, wh where we're going to have the most pressure. Councillor Howe, can you keep your paper away from the mic? Sorry, I beg your pardon. I'm setting things. Um, but, on, but the matrix on page 49 uh, seeks to look at the, uh, both the probability and the impact of various items, both positive and negative. Um, so the key areas of risk in the budget are set out on pages 50 to 52, and, and I need to point out that a number of these are outside the Council's control. Two that I will highlight in particular around business rates retention and also commercialisation, where the impact is both high and the likelihood is high, although I'd also want to point out that in some instances commercialisation might have a positive impact on our budget. Um, the reserve strategy itself is set out on pages 53 to 68. And what I think I probably need to, to point out, it's been my experience, there's a degree of uncertainty and, and uh, confusion around estimates and sorry, around the purpose of reserves. And that's particularly so at election time. Um, we need to remind ourselves that reserves are an essential part of good financial management. It's uh, particularly important for an organisation which is as complex as ours. We have multiple different income streams. We undertake a wide range of duties and responsibilities. Many of those are statutory. We can't just stop doing those things just because our circumstances change. And we have to be frank with ourselves, we do not have the flexibility that a private enterprise might have to change and respond as swiftly as, as a private enterprise might have. Um, the reserves links very closely with our medium-term financial strategy, taking into account the, um, the various challenges facing the, the Council. Um, and what I do need to point out is that because we've been able to build up reserves, we are in a far, far stronger position than many of our peer group. Many councils face exactly, all councils face exactly the same challenges as us. We fortunately have a reserve strategy which allows us to, to respond to those challenges. What I need to point out is we have three different kinds of reserves, and I think that's probably where the core confusion often arises. We have some ring-fenced reserves which are in often in many cases statutory restrictions apply to them such as housing revenue account reserves we cannot spend them on anything other than the purpose for which they were intended we have certain um, working balances which are unallocated and then we have various earmarked reserves and they're specific for a project they're set aside for a known or a predicted future event um, now I often stand up and sound a bit like Jeremiah when we have these events where I talk about the problems that we face coming down the track. And they are real challenges and they will be referred to as we go through this evening's papers. But the uncertainties around the new homes bonus and a yet a further round of reforms in 2018-19 
the loss of the uh, revenue support grant, which will end next year, changes to the business rates regime, where we're likely to take on additional responsibilities, but there's considerable uncertainty as to which elements are going to be transferred locally and which will be held uh, centrally, are all factors that we need to take into account when we set our reserve strategy and plan our budget, not just for this year, but the way it feeds into the the five-year budget going forward. There's a very detailed breakdown of each of the reserves uh, on pages 58 to 61. Uh, Dealing with each of those in turn, I would like to highlight a couple, if you don't mind. We have £3.5 million set aside in the reserves for a new waste depot site. It's been a long-standing objective of the Council to transfer our waste depot from the central Dunmo site, where it currently is, and we're edging closer to a solution to that. We're adding £2 million to this reserve specifically, um, so we will be in a position to take advantage of an opportunity should it arise. We have £1 million in the medium-term financial strategy reserve. This helps us to smooth any deficits when they occur, and we know they are going to occur. And we have £1.8 million in something called the transformation reserve. This is going to help the Council to change the way it does things so it responds to a very different income regime going forward. Um, And I also want to point out that it's very important when we set reserves, we spend money from our reserves, that we don't bind the Council going forward with additional revenue commitments um, because effectively you'd be tying the hands of the Council going forward without necessarily providing the funding. Anyway, there's a very detailed recommendation in front of you. Uh, I'd like to take each one of those items as we go, if that's okay. So each uh, item as we take them. Sorry, any questions? Councillor Hargreaves. Uh, Thank you, Chair. Um, It's on paragraph um, 5.2, General Fund Reserves, and it's the the planning reserve. Uh, Over two years, that's going down around from a million pounds to £600,000 to £300,000. We've heard why part of that is because it's it's paying for the the work on the local plan. I have a concern. Um, Planning appeals... Uh, we had an application in Newport uh, end of last year, very unsuitable. It would have stopped the uh, uh, expansion of the, of the primary school. Uh, it was thrown out by the planning committee at a vote of eight to two, and now the applicant has taken that to appeal. So it is two questions. Uh, is, can we please assure, uh, have an assurance that this council will have the reserves available to to fight, its own, to fight the appeals and support its own decision. And if that cash is available, could we also have a, please, a, a, some confirmation that the Council will actually spend that money and will actually fight appeals, not just the Newport one, but any other ones that, uh, that come up in the district? Uh, the answer to the first part of that question is yes, because we'd move the, the money from elsewhere. So if it was something that this council has to defend, um, then of course we'd do that. Um, and whether that be Stansted or any other significant um, 
uh, application. The other matter that you referred to is, is more complicated um, because when uh, officers recommend one way, um, we don't typically then defend our position. Uh, albeit the planning committee may have voted another way and typically uh, members of the planning committee would go to that appeal. That, that is done on a subject by subject basis but I think that's what's behind the second part of your question. Any other comments? Councillor Hargraves and no, then really Councillor Freeman. The, 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 the council will not support the decision of its own planning committee. That, that, that just seems bizarre. Mm. What's the point of having the planning committee make a decision and then not support it? I'll be with you in just a moment. Councillor Rolf. It, 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 we, we would defend because the members are there to defend whether we'd employ a barrister is, is as I indicated in the first part of my answer uh, would depend on the individual case Councillor Freeman yes thank you chairman this is uh, highlights a significant and singular weakness in our whole planning process as executed by this council and a weakness in the democratic process because actually if the officers recommend one way but the committee dares to go the other way then that is simply an execution and an example of people using their democratic powers if on the other hand the council is not willing to support this in a practical way we may as well not have a planning committee we may as well simply adopt the recommendations of officers rubber stamp them do away with the planning committee because it's a great source of inconvenience uh, and forget about democracy altogether. It is absurd, Chairman, if the Council is saying, as it has said just now, that if the officers have recommended one way but the committee members have chosen to go against that recommendation, that they do not have the support of this Council. In that case, Chairman, why do we have a planning committee? Why are we wasting our time by sitting here? I think this needs a decent answer, Chairman. The Executive, please. Uh, so, I understand what councillors are commenting about on the planning appeals. It's not directly a uh, a budget matter but it is something that I've already committed to the group leaders that we will clarify so there's a clear protocol for all members about how we support the defence of planning appeals. The point is it may not be a barrister, it may be other resources but it's a protocol that we are committed as officers to clarifying for all members so I hope that helps you at this point. If I may Chairman, it doesn't help me because I have served on appeals with this council um, and it's very much a question of a David and Goliath battle because developers earmark substantial funds for conducting appeals. It's part of their business plan, whereas clearly we do not. And so what we end up with is a couple of councillors who the barrister on the other side will always point out that we're amateurs and we don't know what we're talking about. Not only are we amateurs and we don't know what we're talking about, but we've dared to go against the recommendation of our officers. We should be dragged out and shot immediately. And we are there as a David against a Goliath, a very well-funded Goliath. It simply is not a level playing field, and it should be.
Chief Executive. So that is, the, that is the protocol that will clarify how we will support members to defend the uh, appeals. You will appreciate that the, we have to have regard and the Section 15 officer can make comments about the resources that we are expending, but the protocol will clarify all of that so that members feel that there is an appropriate response and support for them in defending appeals. Councillor Howell, is there anything you want to add? If you wouldn't mind, I did if you wouldn't mind, I wanted to clarify, I, uh, on Clause 8, um, it identifies that the, um, uh, that the safe contingency level, as set by the um, 151 officer, uh, is uh, 1.266 million, uh, but the recommendation 4C refers to 1.28 million, and that is incorrect. It should read 1.266 million. Thank you. We have a proposer. We have a seconder. Uh, I'm now going to go to the vote. Those in favour, please vote. It's carried. Councillor House, to continue, please. Thank you, Chairman. The medium-term financial strategy for 2017-18, the purpose of the medium-term financial strategy is to ensure the ongoing financial health and stability of the Council. And we try to anticipate the known unknowns and smooth the journey. And it's very closely linked to our reserve strategy. Um, There are a considerable number of unknowns. You're going to get used to this theme. And not all of them are good news. Um, I'm going to refer again to the new homes bonus. uh, And you'll see on page 70 uh, in section 5, there's been a headline reduction under the new homes bonus uh, of 40%. Um, They've accelerated uh, their proposed time period from six to five years. Uh, It goes down to four years in 2018-19. We've introduced, the government has introduced a discount, so the first 150 houses uh, are no longer included in the calculation of new homes bonus. And yet there's a further round of consultation with a likely further round of reforms around new homes bonus. Similarly, business rates retentions likely to be implemented in 2019-20. And although it's anticipated to be fiscally neutral, according to the government, It's unclear whether it will involve transfers of responsibility to us. It's very unclear also what assets are going to be our responsibility and which ones will be retained by central government. And there's particular uncertainty around uh, airport-related businesses. Um, The details of the medium-term financial strategy are set out on pages 75 to 88. And, And I will refer you, if you don't mind, specifically to one page, which is on page 83 which tries to summarise it all in one page. Um, We've identified a total of £200,000 of efficiencies and income opportunities in 2017-18, and we've also set ourselves the target of further efficiencies of £696,000 in 18-19, sorry, I beg you, uh, yes, uh, through rising to a million pounds by 2021-22. If we fail to achieve that, we will have a growing deficit 
balanced budget this year, a deficit of 302,000 next year, rising to nearly a million pounds by 2021-22. And just to make it more complicated than it needs to be, um, positives have brackets around them, so they look as though they're negatives, and uh, negatives don't have brackets around them, so they look like positives. So it, it, is, it is quite difficult to read that page, but the, but the story, the narrative is quite clear. A balanced budget this year with a growing deficit next year, unless we can find solutions either to cut our overheads, how much it costs us to deliver our services, or to, or to increase our income. Um, now, I recognise the challenge and the scale of the challenge. I also recognise the comments that Councillor Dean made on behalf of the Scrutiny Committee about the, uh, the fact that we are successful as an organisation uh, in achieving surpluses at the end of the year. We run this council efficiently. We ensure, to the extent that we possibly can, that we come in below budget wherever we can. And, and I'm reminded of Mr. McCorber's famous and oft-quoted recipe for success and happiness about annual income, £20, annual expenditure, £19, 19 and 6, happiness. I won't tell you what his definition of misery was, but, but that is what we face if we don't address this challenge. Um, now, I, I'm determined that we should, through our medium-term financial strategy, be prepared for the future. We have a plan. Um, I believe that we have 12, year, 12 months to implement it, uh, and I look for councillors' support and, uh, and, and, uh, and encouragement in, and working together to try and achieve that. Thank you. Have you, have you actually made a proposal? <coughs> no. Um, I only do this once a year. <laughs> so the recommendation is that the council is requested to approve the medium-term financial strategy as attached. Thank you. And do you have a seconder? Councillor Chambers, thank you. Do you want to speak on it? No, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Uh, in that case, we will go to the vote. Uh, oh, hang on. Right. Yes, open to debate. Beg your pardon. Councillor Dean. Yes, thank you. I'd just like to really ask Councillor Howell a point about the efficiencies and income opportunities which um, you know, are growing in numbers on the sheet of paper. And, and Councillor Howard did say that he was looking for member support. And I don't, I don't know whether you use another word. I'm not sure whether it was involvement. Um, in the past, changes have taken place, um, certainly within inside the organisation, that members have discovered after they've happened. You know, and sometimes that's people leaving or, or changes in how services are delivered um, and some of it is impacting on the public and much of it hasn't done uh, what I'm really asking for is that, uh, that as this does progress that it is a, internally an open process so that members have the opportunity by some means or other and I'm not wanting to create a new committee to be, at least to be aware of what's going to happen before they happen uh, well, Councillor Howe? Very happy, Councillor Dean. There is nothing that I feel I need to bring to Council's attention. We run an efficient ship, uh, ship and we try to 
continue to be efficient and as uh, and effective as we can. I'm not aware of anything that is planned or proposed, uh, and it would certainly be our intention to protect frontline services. So I'm surprised by your comment that members of the public have noted changes. I don't believe that the efficiencies that we have achieved to date have had that impact. Um, I think there is a process of ensuring that people are aware, and it's through cabinet and through scrutiny and performance and audit. Uh, but, but rest assured, uh, it is certainly not my intention to, to, uh, to carry out efficiencies that, that are not um, that councillors are not aware of. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, a bit unfair asking you this, Councillor Howell. Um, I don't mind if it's a written answer later on. Um, I was just wondering about the immediate impact on this council of the... We've heard a lot about the changes to business rates, but one change you haven't heard about tonight is about the fact that all properties with a rateable value under £12,000 will pay no business rates from April and a tapering amount for properties within, between the £12,000 and £15,000. The likely revision of um, retail properties... Um, in the revaluation is to look at a, a reduction of 8% in the rateable value. So any small shop now that's not paying rates or is paying small multiplier rates is going to be paying no rates at all after April. And I just wonder what that does for the cash flow and the, you know, the future potential income for here because I understand around 3,000 of our 4,000 commercial properties fall into that bound. But if you can't answer tonight, then a written answer would be lovely. If you don't mind, Councillor Barker, I'll do a written answer. Any other points you wish to raise before we go to the vote? In that case, I'll go to the vote. Those in favour? It's carried. Thank you. Councillor Howe, will you continue with the next medium-term financial strategy. Tell you what I'll do. I'll read the recommendation out first, and then I won't forget it. The Council is requested to approve the following items. The Treasury Management Strategy 2017-18 are prudential indicators that are set out in Appendix A, the minimum revenue provision statement in Appendix B, and the economic forecast in Appendix C. Um, four parts uh, to, to tonight's business. Um, those who follow this subject closely will know that in December 2016 we amended our Treasury Management Strategy at Cabinet to, in line with the recommendations of our independent uh, Treasury Management Advisors Arling Close. Uh, the two key changes were that we increased our counterparty investment levels and time limits uh, and they, we increased our borrowing limits. Uh, the document that I want to refer you to uh, is the full text of our Treasury Management Strategy on pages 93 to 107. Um, it's the nature of this organisation that we, as the collecting body, uh, hold very significant cash balances, other people's money on their behalf. Um, page 103 sets out the counterparties uh, and the table that we can deposit these funds with, the cash limits that are placed on those deposits and the time limits. Um, and there's a very interesting chart on page 104 uh, which shows the balances that we hold through the course of, of a period of 
12 months, and I noticed that in December 2016, our balance was actually just shy of £60 million. So you'll see that we hold very substantial cash balances at any one time. Um, Councillor Redfern has referred to another very significant element of our Treasury management strategy. Um, We have a loan from the Public Loans Board of £88.407 million. Um, We pay £2.6 million each year in interest, and this year is the first year that we'll be paying a repayment of principal of £2 million. The details of that are set out on page 99. I'm not going to speak in detail to the prudential indicators or the minimum uh, revenue provision statement or the economic interest rate forecast um, from Arling Close, and I will resist the uh, temptation to make any quips about the dismal science. I move the recommendation. Do you have a seconder? Councillor Barker. In that case, I'll go to the vote. Those in favour? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, Any further questions? I did ask actually earlier if anybody got any further questions. Sorry? No. So to the vote, please. Carried. Thank you. Uh, Treasury management report. Sorry, capital program. Beg your pardon. Um, item 11, the capital program. The recommendation is to approve the capital program and associated financing of the program as set out in the, in the report. I think we're probably beginning to come to the meat of the evening. Um, my view on life is that prudent day-to-day financial management of the council is the foundation on which our capital programme is built. You can't invest in the future if you aren't running the council's finances effectively in the first place. And our capital programme, I think, is evidence of our commitment to the communities that we represent. Um, I feel I must take issue with um, Councillor Dean's comment that Scrutiny thought that the capital programme was unambitious. I note that over the next five years, we will be investing £56.5 million in capital programmes, um, both across the general fund and across the housing revenue account. A very, very significant amount of investment in our community. Um, We'll deal with the housing revenue account under the next item, if you don't mind. But just to deal with the, the, the general fund, over the next five years, our capital spending is going to be £14.2 million, £2.98 million in the next financial year. Um, we're going to be spending £1.37 million in replacing our refuse and recycling vehicles. It's a rolling programme over five years of £4.77 million. I don't think it's unambitious. I think it's evidence that we are committed to ensuring that our resources, uh, we run our our services effectively and efficiently, and it will underpin the continuation of a waste and recycling service that I think is exceptionally good and good value for money. We're spending £102,000 in Councillor Dean's backyard on the Lower Street Park extension. I noticed that we're spending £92,000 on our car parking machine replacement programme, but I'm assuming that's because of the new 12-sided £1 coin, Um, but I'm sure it will be welcomed. We're spending £290,000 on disabled facility grants, £1.6 million over five years. 
£300,000 on compulsory purchase orders, something that this council started two or three, probably actually about six or seven years ago, bringing long empty and neglected properties back into occupancy. We're spending £100,000 on superfast broadband um, and we're giving serious consideration to further um, matched funding um, to speed up the rollout of superfast broadband across some of the most rural and isolated parts of, of, of the district. I'll deal with the housing revenue account under the next item, but I don't think this is unambitious. Councillor Rolfe. Thank you. Councillor Knight, would you like to speak? Thank you. Um, it's about the matter of reserves. Um, as many of you know, most of you supported the uh, proposal for the sports complex at Carver Barracks that would give us a £12 million sport complex and make us quite substantial in the areas of Uttlesford um, and the area of Essex in particular. And in consequence, a reserve of 500,000 uh, was allocated for this project with the army uh, making every attempt to match fund. Um, I was dismayed on two points when I heard that uh, Mr Webb had taken this money out of the reserves on hearing the news that there would be a possibility of Carver Barracks being closed in 10 to 15 years' time. I thought this was a knee-jerk reaction. I was not consulted, neither was Councillor Artas, and we have been working closely on this project for a number of years. Um, I think £500,000 as a grant to, if we took the worst-case scenario of 10 years, and we all know with any... Um, World large complex like this, it will probably be many more years, uh, would have been good value for the area. And considering the amount of money we've just heard being given here and there, it's um, quite a small amount of money to provide such an amazing facility. Uh, I received an email just before I came out from the uh, commanding officer at the barracks to say that they... Uh, have heard that there is a possibility of this money not being forthcoming. I hope that's not the case. But they have themselves, because the army in general think this is a good idea, different battalions all round have donated money from their own coffers and basically have match funded and have raised over £400,000 themselves with still further pledges to come in. Um, Councillor Artas is working with somebody at the MOD to see if there's a chance of maybe purchasing this land because one of the comments that has been made quite many, uh, a number of times is, well, if they move, what happens to land and we ought to have something from it. I've never known any other grant have to have a payback. I thought a grant was a grant, you gave it and people got on with it. I didn't realise you had to... If give it back or be a clawback position and I think the chances of a £12 million sports project complex being knocked down be highly unlikely. Um, on two cases, if we take both case scenario, I feel that that £500,000 reserve should be in there and I think we should reconsider our situation on this um, uh, chance of 
losing this thing if we are going to consider buying the uh, land uh, so that we can have it uh, if and uh, the army do move then you should be making reserves more in the region of the six or seven million um, but there is news that more battalions are now being transferred from areas that are closing down to Carver Barracks uh, so there is every chance of expanding and there is every chance that in 15 years time the whole scenario will be a great deal different. There will be different governments, different views on defence um, mechanisms. So I would urgently implore you to reconsider for £500,000 that goes back into the reserve and we talk and discuss and reconsider because I think this project will go ahead whatever and if it goes ahead without our contribution for a community project we may find ourselves looking at a wonderful sports facility that will be in use for the army only and not the local community. Thank you. Thank you Councillor Knight. Uh, Councillor Rolfe. Uh, thank you, Chairman. As uh, Councillor Knight knows, I have always been supportive of this project. Um, and um, just to defend uh, Councillor Webb, it's, it's, it's Mr. Webb. Uh, Mr. Webb, <laughs> apologies, Mr. Webb. Um, it, it is imprudent practice, unless there's some degree of certainty, to put something in. But, as you know, we carry a number of reserves. Uh, Councillor Howell has gone through that this evening, including a strategic initiative fund. So if the project was right, the money is still there. The key difference is um, that the Army made their announcement, uh, 2031. Uh, we are in dialogue with the MOD, uh, because obviously this could have issues beyond uh, the sports uh, facility. It could have uh, uh, planning uh, implications uh, or other uses of a brownfield site. So clearly it's a, it's a matter of, of, of considerable interest to this council and its residents. Um, it has become more... Uh, council Artists has been fully involved every step of the way, uh, as you're aware, uh, as indeed you have. Um, but it has become more complicated because whilst we're making reserves and proud, uh, sorry, spending money and proud to spend that on capital, we don't just willy-nilly spend it. We, this has got to be to the advantage and the secured advantage of our residents. So what we would, what we'd, what we would have had before the announcement is a... Uh, medium term, and by that I mean a 20 to 30 year facility that we would have shared with the military um, and full access to uh, residents. That now clearly is, is, has a question mark over it because there is a time limit as to how long the military will be there and it may be that they don't even last until uh, the late 20s. Uh, so it, it could be quite a short period. Now, um, we do need some security around our investment. And it's not correct to say that we don't hand out money without security uh, on our, our investments. And that could still be forthcoming. Uh, but I think, as you know, Councillor Knight, some of the discussions with the army are become quite protracted. Uh, so it is a, it is a live dis decision um, if, uh, if there was security that we would have at the end of that period uh, and it became, for example, a development site. There would have to be sports facilities on a major uh, new um, development site and we would want to retain an interest in that. It may not be the same piece of land, but it could be another piece of land. So we, had, we, have, to, we have to retain some interest in that land. So in summary, 
The project has not gone away, but it it has to be tied up in a secure and robust fashion so that councillors and indeed residents can see that they're getting value for money. I hope that answers your question. Uh, So it's not that it's disappeared, it's the fact that we are continuing to examine the situation. No, it hasn't answered my question because I think it's silly vesturing because, quite frankly, they're certainly not going to go by 2020. Um, I think 50,000 a year, if you took the worst-case scenario for 10 years, for the use of this facility for the whole community in Essex would not be a great deal of money, and I don't see that we have to uh, tie it down. Um, this proposal, if it had been accepted in the first time when it went in, it would be up and running and have built for the last two years. So I would rather see that there was a positive action. I'm not in a position to give the full, but I will forward tomorrow what the uh, uh, commanding officer has asked and requested, but it is for show support because obviously the money that the half a million that the army have raised has been on the basis that this has been match funding with Uttlesford District Council because we have given that inference that we would be supporting this in the fence. Thank you, you, Councillor Knight. I believe Mr Webb wishes to speak, and I have another Councillor Dean after that. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. I just wanted to clarify, there has never been a separate reserve for this. It's never been to Cabinet or Council to be voted on in its own right. The The money sits within the Strategic Initiative Reserve, and that is where it still is. There's plenty of money in there. Should members decide that's what they want to spend it on, then a report will come to Cabinet and that's what will be allocated. But there has never been a separate reserve. Then why did you write to me telling me that you had taken it out of the reserve? We, sorry, Councillor Knight asked me why we're taking it out of the reserve. We have not taken it out of the reserve. We did not build it into the budget for this year because, in my view, there is not sufficient demonstration at the moment that this will go ahead. Thank you. I'll go to Mr. Uh, Councillor Dean. Uh, thank, thank you, Councillor. Mr. Webb. Thank you, Chairman. It's quite uh, fortuitous that um, Councillor Knight has raised the um, topic that, she's, that she has just raised because you should have a, a copy of a, a piece of paper from the Lib Dem group with three items on it. And the third of those items is a proposal, or will be a proposal, to establish a £500,000 capital fund within the budget for a large community infrastructure initiative or initiatives within the district. Now, I'm not naming anything there. Councillor Knight has talked about one particular one. That may or may not be possible to be delivered. I don't, I don't know. Uh, there may be other things around. But what I'm, the reason I'm putting this forward as a proposal is that... Uh, let's put it this way, to make the capital budget uh, more ambitious um, rather than only ambitious first time round. Are you proposing Um, an amendment? I I am. Um, And I'm I'm just... Yes, I'm I'm, I'm proposing that that a a capital fund for a large community infrastructure initiative in the district is established and that this should be funded from the strategic initiative fund Reserve. Um, may I therefore finish off speaking to that? Um, essentially, that you know, the use would need to be defined. Um, uh, it, it would be something new. It would be something that's ambitious for the district. It was something that would be long-lasting and 
whether it is the scheme that Councillor Knight has spoken about, only time will tell. But I think that we should put something in the budget rather than having it hidden away in reserves where it can be forgotten or used for other things. So I, I propose, make that as a formal proposal. Sorry, Councillor Dean. Are you proposing an amendment on item 11 for this to go into the capital programme or into the budget, which is item 13? No, the right, okay. So it's, a, it's an amendment to item 11 that the establishment of a £500,000 capital fund for a large community infrastructure initiative in the district is identified in the capital programme. Thank you. It does, is there a seconder to that? Uh, Councillor Sell has seconded it. Um, any comments, please? I'm quite happy to second this amendment. Uh, I have no pre preconceptions, or my group have no preconceptions, as to what this amount should be used for. I've got lots of ideas, but I think there needs to be something set aside, as Councillor Dean said, to order us to be more ambitious. And I, I believe that this would be something that would be worthwhile because I can think of several projects in my home patch which would benefit from that. Councillor Knight has, I know, her long association with Carver Barracks. She's identified that as well. So if it's in the in the capital budget, then we can discuss later on as to what can, it can be used for. But there's no shortage of candidates. Councillor Howe. Councillor Ranger and then Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, my ward can spend £500,000 as well. So £500,000 for what? Um, all of us can make up a, a reason to put another £500,000 away. For it to be unidentified is, is purely not the way to go. I would ask Councillor Howe, and I know he's going to speak on it, is how much we've got in the Strategic Significance Fund. And um, that's really the question. Is that sufficient for our immediately identified uh, needs? Councillor Barker and then Councillor Rolf. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, we have a number of funds. We, we've just looked at our funds. We've looked at our community um, reserves, the amount of money we give to charities. We have ward member funds. This council has agreed funding for CCTV in Saffron Ward and in Stoustad, in Thaxted. There are plenty of ways to make an opportunity for a community to bid for capital money. I do not believe it is good financial planning to put £500,000 into a pot that we have no idea what it's for. Councillor Rolf. Yeah, well, I absolutely agree with the last two speakers. This, is, this really is flip-floppy economic management, and uh, I think there are countless examples of where projects have come forward, and this council has been based on a clear business case, and this council has been absolutely supportive of driving them forward. I want to make it crystal clear that there is a difference between Carver Barracks and what Councillor Dean is proposing. Uh, I, I, I don't want to repeat everything I said before, but I'm supportive of that project uh, as long as 
the business case is robust. And what I give you the commitment tonight is we will bring that business case back to Council and you can decide. If you want to spend half a million pounds on the case presented for Carver Barracks, then that's what we will do. But, but clearly, uh, we know that uh, there's an opportunity to build a 3G football pitch. Uh, that is a fairly mature uh, proposition. Uh, there's an opportunity uh, alongside other developments in Saffron Warden to create a whole new sports complex. So I'm not suggesting that's instead of Councillor Knight. All I'm suggesting is there are plenty of other opportunities. So, of course, any one of us could spend half a million quid. It's dead easy to spend money. The secret is how do you manage your budget and is it built on clear, good fiscal grounds that's going to uh, uh, benefit the residents. So two different points. Councillor Knight will come back to, as far as this amendment is concerned, I'm sorry, uh, that's not the way we want to manage our, uh, our economy. Thank you. Councillor Howell and then Councillor Chambers. Oh right, Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Mr Chairman, I would just like to back up what has just been said. But over the last few years, um, we have had to uh, go through very difficult times financially. I don't want to go into the background of it, but it was a case of the Council uh, not being, um, how can I put it, uh, financially sound in as much as they made lots of wrong decisions, spent a lot of money, put us in a position where we <coughs> were really badly off. I hope over the last nine years, Councillor Rolf, is it? I think it's nine years. We have got to a position now of financial stability, of which Councillor Howell has just said that we are one of the fortunate councils in as much as we are not anywhere near as badly off as most. But, and there is a big but, if we don't continue with that strong financial management, we shall go back to a position quite quickly where we have to make decisions we don't want to make and we put this council in a very difficult position. Now, in this particular case, You've only got to look at the reserves. If you actually look carefully with something like this, if the council wishes to do something, somebody can put forward an idea, everybody can discuss it, and the, 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 the council will then make the final decision. But we do not, in these times of severe financial constraint, want to commit ourselves to money that we're not sure that will be for the best interests of the council but more importantly, for all the residents of Uttersford. Thank you, Mr Chairman. If there's nobody else wishing to say anything, I'll move on to Councillor Howell. Uh, thank you. I, I think I have an opportunity to, to speak to an amendment, and I think the amendment will then be put, and then the substantive, if the amendment's not passed. Um, the Strategic Initiative Fund, in answer to Councillor Ranger's question, at the 31st of March 2018, so at the end of this financial year, would have slightly over £3 million in it. Um, I'm very reluctant to see a specific item identified at this stage for an unknown project. As has been said by a number of councillors, there is a, a good way of doing this process, and there's not such a good way of doing the process. We'd be much better off coming back with specific projects that we wish as a council to support than, an, than identifying something that we can all agree is a good idea, but we're not quite sure what we're going to be spending the money on. 
And as Councillor Sell said, there are no shortage of candidates. He's got lots of ideas. Councillor Ranger's got lots of ideas. I'm sure we all have lots of ideas. And no doubt that there are many projects across the district, as Councillor Rolf has said, that would benefit from, from our support. But we should be judging them on their merits and making informed decisions when we have something tangible to consider. Uh, and so for that reason, I will not be supporting the amendment. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Well, we're now going to vote in regard to the amendment. Those in favour? And those against? Thank you. We now therefore go to the original proposal. Those in favour? It's carried. Thank you. Councillor Howell, if you'd like to continue. Thank you very much. I'd like to say we're nearly finished, but we've got quite a long way still to go. Item 12, Housing Revenue Account 2017-18, Budget and Five-Year uh, Business Plan Strategy. The recommendation to Council is that we are recommended to approve the RHRA uh, Revenue Budget and Five-Year Financial Strategy. Councillor Redfern has spoken at some length of this subject already, so I, I won't repeat much of what she said, but I, I will draw out a few features if you don't mind. A rent decrease of 1% means that annual weekly rent for one council uh, house tenant uh, is uh, um, £98.80, um, a reduction of £1 and a penny per week. There's a proposal to increase rents for garages by 2% in line with RPI, and I noticed somewhere in the body of this um, document that we have in fact 453 garages and weekly rent um, is an additional 19p uh, per annum, sorry, per week going up to £9.89. I, I ought to note that the Housing Board and the Tenant Forum have reviewed the proposed uh, charges and recommended them for, for approval. Um, but I need to also, I won't repeat the bit about the, the, housing, uh, the Public Loans Board, but I do need to draw out some of the uh, capital programme that we are going to be investing over the uh, next few years. We have £42.35 million worth of capital investment in the housing revenue account, and Councillor Redfern has spoken in some detail to what that involves but it's uh, £12.1 million in, the next, in this financial year. We're going to be spending £3.255 million on capital repairs, nearly £20 million over five years. Uh, Councillor Redfern has talked about us being one of only a limited number of councils still build, building our own council houses, and we'll be spending, according to the Housing Revenue Account five-year business plan, £10 million on additional council houses over the next five years, £2 million in the course of this year. The redevelopment of our sheltered accommodation, you'll know, has been a major area of investment for us. £6.66 million. Um, there's some 
complexity around this because some items have been, some elements have been carried over uh, over the redevelopment of Reynolds Court and Hatherley Court. But um, I'm pleased to see in another new area of capital spend on redevelopment of our sheltered accommodation is, is Walden Place in this year. So I therefore move the recommendation. Thank you. Have we got a seconder? Seconded Councillor Redfern. Those in favour, please vote. Carried, thank you. Uh, and if you'd like to move on to the next item, please. Um, well, this is where it all comes hopefully together uh, in one final paper, uh, and we then start the argument. Um, so the recommendation uh, that we approve the General Fund Council Tax requirements of £5,034,621, as summarised in paragraph 16 to 22. We uh, approve the schedule of fees and charges as set out in Appendix F, um, and the council tax resolution is set out in Appendix G. Um, you'll be aware, because we've had quite a lot of conversations about this at previous meetings, about the consultation that's taken place during the course of the year with local residents and local uh, businesses. Um, it's come to scrutiny, been debated, and it's sought to identify the priorities, and that's helped to inform the budget process that we're going through today. I need to emphasise the, um, the proposed council, increase, council tax increase is not 2%. It's one point, and there are four nines, 9999%. Um, the total uh, collected amount will be just over £5 million. Uh, the intention is that a band D property, as set out on page, uh, I'm not quite sure what page, but section 20 of the report, uh, a band D property's council tax will go up from £140.13 to £142.93. That's an increase of £2.80 per annum. Um, our objective has been to continue to be a low-cost, high-quality council, and I'm pleased to be able to say that Uttlesford remains the lowest-cost council of any local district authority in Essex. Um, and it is nice to be able to say that. I think I need to emphasise a few highlights of what we're proposing. Uh, councillors will continue to get a new awards, new homes bonus grant of £2,000. We've held local council tax support contributions at 12.5%. We continue to fund 50% of the cost of that, which falls on council, town and parish councils. We've put in additional investment in our grounds maintenance and litter picking. Um, we are committing additional resources to the commercialisation of the council. We continue to support the development of neighbourhood plans, uh, plans. We continue to finance two full-time PCSOs. There is money in this budget in addition to encourage more people to become specials. Um, and I am also pleased to be able to say that for the most part, most categories of fees and charges remain unchanged. Car parking is unchanged, but I do need to caveat that by saying that season tickets in the lower street have changed, and we've introduced for the first time a three-hour time limit on the common car park. But with the exception of that, car parking, change, car parking fees are unchanged, and, and most other um, charges are unchanged for the most part. Um, 
I'm very aware of the complexity of this council. When I go through the budget papers, we are so much more than a single issue council. We touch all of our residents every day across multiple areas. So our interaction with local residents is wide-ranging and varied. Um, I think that the budget we're proposing today is prudent, sensible, taking account of the challenges that we undoubtedly do face, but being aware that we have a plan going forward. We have an objective to run this council efficiently, cost-effectively, uh, and I wish to propose the recommendation. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Uh, before I ask for a seconder, I, I would just like to remind everybody that uh, in accordance with procedure rules 14.7, this particular item will be, a, uh, will be elected on a, on a, uh, a recorded vote. So I'll just tell you that. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Chambers, Chambers thank you. Uh, it's open for debate now. Councillor Hargreaves. Uh, th thank you, Chair. Um, at a time when well, governments are always tinkering, mending local government finance, this year it seems to be even more amendments and uncertainties than usual. So I think it is quite important uh, that at least the bit of the council finance that we do have reasonable charge of, uh, that we do move it along uh, in line with, with uh, uh, earnings and, and inflation. 2% uh, on band D is not actually very much. Um, I think it's perfectly reasonable to do so. I'm quite comfortable with that. Uh, I will be voting for it. Uh, my party will vote as they wish, as you know. So I'm quite happy with that. And uh, <laughs> my colleagues. My political party. Um, <laughs> no, I've been already. I've only been here today. Uh, but. Um, um, and I think I'd also like to say thank you very much uh, to the, the, the finance team. Uh, there's an awful lot of work in here and the world keeps changing, uh, doing so the five-year strategy when so much is, is so unknown, I think is quite a, a work of art. So I think they've done a very, a very good uh, job there. Uh, moving on to something else, uh, actually, the document's not actually in here, but in the ones presented to Cabinet, it showed the survey of what um, the 500 people who were contacted thought were the top priorities. And I noted that um, the um, bin collections were quite high up, um, but the activities of the dog warden were really quite lowly rated. Uh, can I just say that in my ward, um, the annoyance, the health worries and the general fury about dog poo far outweighs um, anything about bin collections, which generally are treated as a sort of this is what happens. Um, can I therefore suggest, uh, we heard um, that um, the Mayor of Liverpool was on the radio uh, last week and uh, they are going to offer um, a cash reward uh, to residents if they can provide the evidence which will get a conviction for both not picking up the dog poo and, not, uh, and fly tipping as well. So can I ask please that this council... Um, keep a watching brief on Liverpool's dog poo <laughs> and if that project is successful that we might consider it here uh, at some point in the future as part of our strategy on keeping our streets clean. Thank you Councillor Hargreaves. Councillor Rolfe. Well, uh, uh, well thank you for your uh, uh, kind comments but 
absolutely agree. So this council spends at the moment £300,000. It's going to be more next year. You've just heard that we're increasing our grounds maintenance litter picking team. And uh, that money could be spent on all the sort of things that we've been talking about tonight if people didn't chuck stuff out the window or whatever the case may be. So we're absolutely four square behind you uh, on that. Quite, I, I don't want to, because I've spent... I've, too long in too many parish council meetings talking about dog poo, so I don't really want to do that again tonight. But the interesting thing is that I actually don't think it's as bad as it was. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because it has become very antisocial uh, to do that and peer local neighbourhood pressure, resident pressure on other residents has started to change that. And we need to do the same thing with litter. It's not just Uttlesford. If you go anywhere, and it's not just Essex, if you go anywhere, the place is an absolute shambles at the moment. There's litter everywhere. And we've got into a culture where it's easier to chuck it out the window than it is to put it in the bin. And we've got to do the same kind of job that we have done with dog poo, which I think actually is improving. And if that includes prosecution and encouraging people uh, to prosecute, then absolutely let's do that. So we're four square behind you on that. And maybe we incentivise people in terms of bringing bags of, of litter. Maybe they should be encouraged uh, in some way to do that. So you know, let's have a look at a number of schemes to, to, to deal with what is becoming quite an issue, actually. Thank you. Any other uh, matters to raise, Councillor Sell? Uh, no, Councillor Freeman. Councillor Freeman, thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, there's a single paper here which also relates to item 13, uh, or maybe I'm in completely the wrong place, maybe the wrong planet, I don't know. <laughs> it says on the top, Liberal Democrat Alternative Budget Amendments. Uh, please community support officers, neighbourhood plan support, and establishment of a half a million pounds. Maybe we've dealt with this already. No, 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 not. Are we going to deal with this? Oh, oh, oh I see, right, okay, right. Well, I'll, I'll wait and see in that case. Thank you. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think I'll ask Councillor Sell to come in at this point. <laughs> Sorry, before we, before we move on to that, um, can I just thank um, Councillor Hargreaves for that tip? Because my daughter's actually at um, Liverpool University, and I'm thinking there's a way of supplementing her um, student loan if she gets out with her camera, so thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, uh, just to assure Councillor Freeman, we were going to put these amendments, but in association with the Chairman. Um, I was in Bishop Stalford quite recently, and... I saw, to my amazement, three PCSOs. So I went over to them and had a chat with them. And they told me that in Bishop Stalford, they've got PCSOs are valued. And just to reinforce that point, I've just been on to the website here for the Hertfordshire Police Force. And the superintendent in the Hertfordshire Police Force says, and I quote him, PCSOs are an integral part of our of safer neighbourhood teams. They maintain direct links and build relationships with local communities that reinforces support and enhances the enforcement activities that can only be carried out by police officers. The amendment which I must apologise, I haven't had a chance to put it through Tim Farron, he's been a bit busy today. Um, but uh, the amendment is carefully worded. The amendment is worded because what, we, what, I'm, what my group is proposing is that we come to a match 
funding agreement, and that is linked to a maximum of three PSSOs with parish and town councils who may wish to take this up. I should say that Stansted Parish Council, which I'm a member, had we partly funded a PCSO with Essex Police for some years. And in my view, it was very successful. That PCSO, who I got to know quite well, had a very useful link with the youth centre and got quite a lot of local intelligence, which was a benefit. Obviously, the priorities of Essex Police are not the same as Essex as Hertfordshire Police, though I do, did note that the previous commissioner, uh, Nick Alston, did say that PCSOs are a vital part of local policing. However, Essex, are, unlike Hertfordshire, are not recruiting. And that's why, if we look at page three of the report and we look at priorities we will see there that one of the priorities, the first priority under other services, is working with the police and other organisations to keep Buttlesford safe. That's what our residents are telling us. Meeting in Southern Warden Town Hall recently and heard the Police Crime Commissioner speak, know that the visibility of policing is a very big issue. I don't know at this stage whether this match funding will be taken up by town and parish councils. It may be there's nothing to stop a collection of parish councils grouping together. But what I do know is that if we decide to go down this route, it will be a way of saying to the public, yes, you want greater police visibility. This is something that Uddlesford wants to make our community safer. This is something that we will be able to do. And there is a projected underspend of over half a million. It is affordable for us if we want to do it as a council. So I hope that colleagues will consider this carefully because I think it would be a worthwhile measure. Thank you, Jim. Is there a seconder? Councillor Dean. Uh, May I just clarify with Councillor Sell mm. that the amendment that you're proposing mm. now consists of item one and item two uh, on, because item we have voted on item three and that Sorry, was... I, I did talk to the chairman and I think he's agreed that we're going to take items one and two separately. So I'm just speaking on item okay. one. Councillor Rolfe. So, uh, thank you. And we're very warm to this. We're very warm to numbers one and two, actually. Um, you're quite right, uh, Councillor Sell, to point out the difference between Essex and uh, Hertfordshire Police. Uh, they have a different uh, way of uh, executing uh, local community policing. Um, but we know uh, the sensitivity, it's a key part of our corporate plan that you saw earlier in terms of community safety partnership. So we've um, supported uh, two uh, 
um, fully funded to um, PCSOs, which is not typical across Essex. And in addition to that, uh, Essex Police are very keen to develop a, uh, a team of specials. The advantage of specials is that they have the power of arrest and they're in full uniform, uh, which is not uh, the case of PCSOs. They're in the uniform, but they don't have the power of arrest. But that's not to undervalue PC. PCSOs and um, they operate in Saffron Walden. They're based in the hub upstairs in this building, uh, so we're working very closely with them. So we're very warm to look at this. I would be grateful if we don't uh, change the budget tonight uh, because it is dependent, obviously, on working uh, with local communities as well. So I'd like to do two things, if we may. Uh, there's a parish uh, forum on the 15th of March. Um, when, and I do encourage uh, councillors, if you wish, to join that. It's, it's a forum with parish councils by Uttlesford District Council. Uh, it's particularly around uh, planning matters, but on the 15th of March it will talk about enforcement as well. Uh, and the whole purpose of these parish for forums, of which there will be more, they'll be held on a quarterly basis, is to have very much better dialogue with our town and parish councils. And I would like to add this matter to that agenda. And we will certainly, uh, if town and parish councils want to uh, support the principles themselves, uh, I'm sure we'll be able to find money to help do that. Uh, but in addition to that, I want to work very hard with the police in terms of what is their, addition, their extra capacity. So if you're not so, so much in favour of PCSOs, then what is the strategy for specials? And that strategy has to be a very robust recruitment programme. It works very, specials work well throughout the rest of the country, um, and uh, we need to get that off the ground. It's, it's all about recruitment, and then it's about retention. So I think there's quite a lot more than just what you've laid out here, but we're very supportive of the principle. And when, we, when you come back to point two, we're very supportive of the principle of that one as well. So, okay, we'll do that later. But as I say, I would prefer not to change the budget tonight. Councillor Morris, and then Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'd just like to seek some guidance, actually, as a member of Saffron Walden Town Council who has yet to see a proposal or discuss this at Town Council level, whether I am eligible to vote on this matter um, as part of this council. It's the principal. Councillor Freeman. That was going to be my question as well, Chairman. Any other questions? Councillor Howe. Oh, Councillor Ranger. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Yes, I'd just like to um, reinforce the uh, point that uh, Councillor Rolfe made by taking it forward to the parish forums because that is the ideal way to go. If there is of a mind for some uh, joint procedure, we do have strategic initiative fund to uh, help towards any costs. Thank you. Uh, I think that's it then. Councillor, Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, sorry, I'm, I'm afraid I'm a bit awkward here, but the, I don't understand the, the, the response to the question of the conflict of interest. The problem, as I understand it, is if we vote in favour of this, this amendment, we're a bit awkward at Saffron Walden Town Council when the amendment then comes forward to Town Council because then we already voted. That's a conflict of interest, and I don't see how we can possibly participate in this. It's quite clear who the members of the Saffron Walden Town Council are, so there's transparency on this. 
Um, it's, it's, it's not a conflict as I see it, and my advice is that there's no problem with uh, Saffron Ward and town council members, or indeed members of other parish or town councils, in participating in this vote. Councillor Redfern. Uh, thank you very much. I'm, I'm um, very pleased to hear that we're warm to this, Howard, because uh, obviously none of, we haven't had a chance to um, speak about this, and it would be something I would be very happy to support. My question is, though, and I think this is, I don't know if this is to Simon, Adrian, or Dawn. I really don't know. Um, so we're talking about this, and it, for it going to parish and town councils, and most of us have already set budgets for the next year. Um, so if we how how can you know if you want match funding I'm kind of floundering here to work out how my parishes would deal with that it, because we've already done our budgets for next year so I'd just like a bit of help with that please um, Councillor well, uh, that probably gets to the core of why Councillor Rolf is saying that he's supportive in principle but we probably need to think through the mechanics of this and make sure what appetite there is in parish and town councils before we vote for it. Um, but I think this will be something that comes back to this council or one of the committees. And I've heard comments in support of it, so I'm sure that that will be repeated in due course. Thank you. Well, we're now going to vote for the amendment. Oh, Councillor Self, sorry. I hear what Councillor Rolf has said. And... What I'd like before the amendment is withdrawn is his assurance that if at this forum or subsequent forums there is a real interest amongst parish and town councils, what I don't want it, this proposal to be kicked into the long grass and we never see it before. If there is an interest, because it's something that certainly I didn't want to foist upon parish and town councils, this is something that they've got to want to do. And if they do want to do that, within the commitment here up to three, would Councillor Rolfe give, give myself and others an assurance that, subject to working it out, that their views would be listened to? Seriously. Uh, yes. <laughs> There is an assurance, as, as colleagues will know, I, I, I don't do things on the hoof. Mm. Uh, what what um, we, ha we are giving you a commitment to is that this is a good idea and we need to dialogue that with town and parish councils. Um, so what we've put in the budget is to support two PCSOs yes. um, and uh, we're delighted to do that. We've also put in the budget uh, money to try and um, recruit and retain specials. So what I'm saying, this is a part of a, of a CSP strategy mm. and if, if town and parish councils wanted to invest, then uh, we, we would match fund that. But what I'm not going to give you is a figure tonight. No, no. Uh, no, no. But, but, but in principle, That's if this is a collective about. effort yeah. that we're working with communities, and it is a very sensitive issue and mm. an important issue, then this, this, this district council would want to get behind that. So it's a little bit difficult, the question you're asking me, because I'm not going to pin down a figure. I'd no, need no, to talk no, to my no, colleagues no, no. Uh, about that. I'd need to, you know, obviously take that in the context of the budget. But the principle of working with communities and us supporting that um, is you have my commitment. So if Stancy Parish Council comes to, your, to the council and says for 2018-19 is something we would like to do, which we've done in the past that request would be received 
sympathetically? It would be received sympathetically, but we might get a request from 30 parish councils. Oh, yes, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we're yeah. spending 48 grand at the moment on poor PCSOs. Yes. I don't think anybody's suggesting that we only spend no, no, half no, a million. No, 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 so no. that's why I say I've got to put the thing in yeah. context. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, okay. I mean, in that context, I'm happy, I think, with the seconders, Councillor Deans agreed with me, that with those assurances that Councillor Rolfe has given, we're happy to withdraw that amendment. Are there, are there any other comments on item 13? Councillor Foley wants to. Councillor Foley, I think you wish to comment on the second proposal. <coughs> no, only, only really. Just, uh, I think it's gained general um, uh, improvement already. I would just like to put it to a vote, unless you've got anything to, to say to it. Okay. Can I remind you about the time, Chairman, yes. and the need to Thank attend you. the meeting? Thank you. That's why I did that. <laughs> let, 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 let me help the Liberal Democrats. So, um, I, point, point two talks about extending officer support to two days a week. As you know, we currently have Rachel supporting the neighbourhood plans. Neighbourhood plans are extending. Delighted. It's, a, it's another key part of our, of our objective that this, this whole aspect of, um, of planning, uh, community design is, is, is taken down to the right level. And it's becoming an increasingly difficult uh, task for um, Rachel to do on one day a week. So, again, we will look very sympathetically at this. The first time we saw it was this evening, so we don't even know if Rachel's available. So, um, again, uh, I'm not going to make a firm commitment tonight, but we're very warm to the principle of what you're suggesting. Councillor Foley, and then, uh, then I'd like the, uh, the Chief Executive we, to... Can we just, take a, 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 just accept the principle then and leave it at that for now, yeah? Yep. Is, that, is that where we're at, or do you want to take it to a vote? I, I think I'd, I'd prefer to do it the same way that we've done the first thing, because this is a, this is a financial commitment that you're asking us to do. Uh, we've, we've got to speak to the... We don't have any capacity in the planning team. Up, everybody knows they're absolutely up to their eyes with local plan. So uh, this is about additional resource, which is it available, what's the cost of the, available, of, uh, of the availability. So within reason... Point one, we're, very, we're sympathetic. We're warm, to, again, to the idea. Point two, we just need to work through the detail. I accept that. Thank you. In that case, we'll go back to the original proposal, uh, which has been proposed and seconded. Does Councillor Hulse want to say anything? Councillor no. And this will be a recorded vote. So I'll ask the uh, officers to put, put, put us through that. Thank you. <coughs> thank you, thank, thank you, Chairman. Um, I will read out um, the names of each councillor, and I'd ask you to indicate clearly whether you're voting for, voting against, or abstaining. And starting with Councillor Antrim. Can you use your microphones? Can you use your microphones when you do so? Thank you. Is Councillor Antrim voting for? For. Yeah. Councillor Artis, not here. Oh, yeah. Councillor Asker. For. Councillor G. Barker? Four. Councillor S. Barker? Four. Councillor Chambers? Four. 
Councillor Davy for Councillor Davis uh, sent his apologies. Yes. Uh, Councillor Dean? For. Councillor Fairhurst? For. Councillor Farthing? For. Councillor Felton? For. Councillor Foley? For. Councillor J. Freeman sent his apologies. Councillor R. Freeman? For. Councillor Goddard apologies. Councillor Gordon apologies. Councillor Hargreaves? For. Councillor Harris sent apologies. Councillor Hicks? For. <coughs> Councillor Howell? For. Councillor Jones? For. Councillor Knight is no longer here? Just left. Councillor LeCount? For. Councillor Lees? For. Councillor Lemon is not here. For. For. <laughs> Councillor Light? Councillor Lodge? For. Councillor Loughlin sent apologies. Councillor Mills? For. Councillor Morris? For. Councillor Oliver? Councillor Parry? For. Councillor Ranger? For. Councillor Redfern? For. Councillor Rolfe? For. Councillor Riles, sent apologies. Councillor Sell? For. Councillor Wells? For. Well, that's very clearly carried. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, so that's carried. Um, I would, so it's been pointed out that we have actually reached 9.30 and I would ask if you would allow us to continue the meeting. We're so close to the end now it's, it seems pointless not to. So if you're all in agreement, thank you. Councillor Howell, uh, we now come to the pay policy. Well, I'm very pleased that you agreed to extend the meeting because this will be very important, important for a number of uh, people. Um, the Localism Act 2011 requires us to publish a pay policy and to review it annually. The recommendation is to approve the pay policy as set out in Appendix A. Um, a number of changes have been made to the policy. They're summarised in sections uh, 12 to 14 on page 198. And the policy is set out in full in Appendix A on pages 209 to 221. We, we do need to remind ourselves that our people are, without doubt, our most important asset. And um, we are, as any organisation, only as good as the people we employ. And so having a consistently applied and transparent pay policy is almost certainly a cornerstone of, an in, of good employment practice. Um, there's a great deal of detail in the policy, and I'm sure that all councillors have read it. Um, I note that we are an accredited living wage employer since January 2015, um, and I think that it contains a lot of information which will be of reassurance to councillors about the way the policy is designed and implemented, particularly around salary bans. Uh, and the like, but also other areas. Um, I think it's still subject to consultation with employees, um, but I think that it helps us to demonstrate a degree of transparency in the way that we operate as an organisation, and I therefore move the recommendation. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Is there a seconder? Yeah. Councillor Howell, uh, Rolf. Uh, those in favour, please vote.
That's carried. Uh, move on to the committee timetable, which uh, has been published there for you to approve. Uh, and I trust you will all accept that as acceptable. Thank you. Agreed. Thank you. Uh, I have no other items to raise at the meeting, so I would like to call the meeting to a close. Thank you very much.